Even men like Talon Card occasionally make mistakes. This is the Chimera. Launch the attack. Time to go to work. You won't let me get killed, will you? Is that what I was supposed to be doing here? I should have brought my lightsaber. You are listening to episode 24 of Star Wars Bookworms, your source for discussion and reviews of the new Star Wars releases from Dark Horse Comics and Del Rey Books. I'm your host, Teresa Delgado, and as always, I'm joined by my best friend, Aaron Goins. I have been graduated to best friend. Yes, you got graduated to best friend. In an article, nonetheless. Yeah, I did see that. That was a pretty good article. Nice shout-outs to all the uh, Star Wars friends out there. And I, I thought it was a great article just because of how true it is, you know, the, the relationships that you build through fandom and, you know, the friends that I've made over the years. So it is very true. Awesome article. Yeah, we actually have two of our really good friends who didn't get mentioned in my article, and that's why I need to do a part two. But um, why don't you... Give them a grand entrance, Aaron. Yes, on this episode we have two awesome guests. We're really excited to have them. One is a first-time guest, one is a returning guest, but I will first introduce, we're really excited to have back, Jawa James uh, from Club Jade, also writes for Big Shiny Robot. He does comic book reviews over there. Really happy to have you back, James. Yeah, thanks for having me back. I, I remember being on the show, I think it was like the second episode or so. Yes, you were on both our second and third episodes because we had to break it into two parts. So yeah, you All were right. on. All we were having a lot of fun there. Yeah. So we, we ended up recording a two-hour episode, so we needed to cut it down. But um, yeah, you got to be on our first, or our second and third, which I was talking to you before the show. I actually went back and listened to part of those episodes today. And yeah. wow, our audio was really bad back then, Teresa. <laughs> well, you know, we upgraded. We grew in yeah, the year was, that we've been around. It was hard to listen to. I can understand that one review we got on iTunes now. Yeah, but hey, you know, it was only one. It was one. I Lots just of wish, positives. I just wish that guy would come back and listen now. It's like, we, we've improved. We've got new microphones. Uh, we got rid of whatever bad audio editing program I was using. Maybe he has. Who Maybe. knows? Maybe. We'll see. But um, but we don't just have Jawa James here. We also have another guest, first time on the show from the awesome podcast Techno Retro Dads. We have Shaz Bazaar. How are you doing today, Shaz? Fantastic. I'm so glad to be here. I'm on a Star Wars podcast. It's the greatest thing on earth. Yes. Have you never done a Star Wars podcast? No. Really? Not, well, not really. <laughs> I've kind well, of unofficially been on through, you know, voicemails, but that doesn't count, does it? Sure, it does. Kind of. That's how okay, I've been well, on Full of, of Sith, so that counts. But if yeah, you you're keep, on all kinds of things. If you keep listening to audiobooks and uh, reading comics and stuff, we'll have you on more. <laughs> I, I, I am so out of the comic range now, but I do a lot of books. A lot of books. Okay, well, We cool. always need people for books, so you'll be on our speed dial. Awesome. It's such a thing, a podcasting speed dial. Yes, Sounds there, pretty cool. There definitely is. Well, thanks for be, for letting me be on, guys. So, Teresa, what book are we reviewing today? Ooh, something we were supposed to review last month. Um, <laughs> it's a novel, Honor Among Thieves. And just to let everybody know, we typically wait at least a month after a release date to review a book or a comic. So if we're reviewing it, expect full spoilers. We do go into the plots and things like that. So just be aware, if you haven't read Honor Among Thieves, Push the pause button, go read it real quick, take like five minutes, and then come back. Now it'll take you longer than that. But it is a quick read. 
We'll say that. It's a quick read. So if characters died in this book, we will tell you. Right. But if, you, if you don't care about spoilers, keep listening. Sounds good. This book's been out for a while. We were actually supposed to re- review it last month, and we're a little behind. Well, they, we're getting they caught back up, up. They ended up dropping this giant EU news on us, which kind of uh, took over our show for an episode. So Pretty much. I'm okay with missing the, that month, but uh, we're going to get caught up. We're getting close because this book came out in March. And it's now May, so we're only we're only a little bit behind our schedule, and I think we'll catch up in June for sure. Yeah, we will. But we do have a few house cleaning things, some bookworms announcements. First one, we got shirts. Oh, we're announcing that. Yeah. Well, I mean, we don't have shirts hey. to sell, but I'm just really excited that we got shirts. <laughs> hey, you posted it on Twitter. They look pretty cool. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah we, apparently people want some. I don't know if you saw that. I did. I saw a lot of replies. People were like, I want one. And I was like, oh, wow, I just made these for me and Teresa to wear to Star Wars Weekends. <laughs> so now I think, I guess we have to sell them now. Or we'll just sell them for, at cost. You know, we're not going to make any profit off of it. But no. if we we can put them up on Zazzle or something and hopefully our listeners can order them. That'd be awesome to run into people at a convention wearing the shirt. How cool would that be? That That's would be awesome. awesome. But yeah, the... We basically made the shirts kind of as a test to see how they would look. You know, me and Teresa planned to wear them at Star Wars Weekends, but I was really happy with how it turned out. So, yeah, I think we will try to make them available to you guys. If anybody's interested, let us know. Shoot us an email. Let us know on Twitter. Let us know on Facebook. The more interest we get, um, the more chance that we will be putting them somewhere online. Yep. And I got a fangirl shirt, not a fan dude shirt. Fangirl yep. shirt. Girl, so. girl and guy styles. So. <laughs> All right, so we are doing the book club again this month. Um, after this month, we're probably going to take a break for a couple of months because it's going to get really busy with things. But we are doing iJedi right now, and we're almost up to 90 members. How is the book club going for iJedi, Aaron? It's going good. It's going really good. We got a ton of new members. I think for the first book we did, Truce at Bikura, we had about 50 members that joined for our first book. And now on our second book, we're up to close to 90. So we added 40 more um, members to the club just in the matter of a month. So, yeah, I'm really excited. I kind of thought when we were starting this book club, I thought maybe we'd get like 10 people to read the books with us. But now that we're up to 80, I'm getting pretty excited about how this is growing. So That's pretty awesome. That yeah, is an so. incredible amount of people that fast. Yeah, yeah and- I... I feel bad that we're going to have to take off, you know, at least a month. But with Star Wars weekends and like me being there all five weekends and stuff like that, I just like have no time. Yeah, we'll take a little bit of time off of the book club, just just a month or so. But maybe we'll come back probably for July and kick it back off. But, you know, it gives people a chance to take their own vacations and go to Star Wars weekends, too. Definitely. So, James, have I mean, you've read like every Star Wars book, right? Um, pretty much. I, I was looking at it the other day and I think there's only three books that I have not finished yet. Wow. So were you a fan of I Jedi? Was that one you really liked? Oh yeah. I, I read I Jedi back when it came out. I really enjoyed it. I, I thought that Corn Horn was a really cool addition to the expanded universe in, in terms of, you know, being it a, a Jedi character, but, you know, having a very different background and, and, interesting point of view I, I think he's been a great addition and i think i jedi did a great job i, I say great a lot it <laughs> I, I think that uh yeah i jedi was was a really good read definitely and it's been fun to go back and read some of these older books truce of Bikira was really fun to go back to 
Um, I Jedi has been great. Well, yeah, I think the nice thing about the book club, Aaron, is that for people like me who haven't read some of these books, is it gives me incentive to go and buy it on ebook or whatever and then read it. And I did buy it, but with everything that's been going on in my crazy life, I just haven't gotten a chance to join in on the book club. So I'm kind of sad, but Aaron's running it. So. And if anyone's interested in joining the book club, um, check us out over on Goodreads. Go to goodreads.com, search for Star Wars Bookworms, and you will find us. And definitely we, we want more people to come read these books with us. The more conversation we get, the better, the more fun it will be. Yep. So the next thing we have is probably going to be the most exciting month and a week of my life. Um, for everybody else, it's probably just a week. But for me, <laughs> it's a really long time. And that is because Star Wars Weekends is coming to Disney World. I get to go up to Disney World tomorrow for the first one. And I'm pumped. Yeah, I'm pretty excited as well. I, we're going down. I'm actually going weekend two. So it's next weekend. I don't get to go to the first one. I'm going to the second one. But that's when a lot of our friends are going to be down there. I know Rebel Force Radio is going to be down there. Um, your co-host over at Fangirls Going Rogue, Trisha, she's going to be down there. Um, the hosts of Star Wars Report are going to be down there. So there's going to be a lot of podcasters down there all at the same time. I know a lot of fans are going down there, so it's going to be awesome to kind of meet up with these people and get to hang out and do like a little mini Star Wars celebration down at it Walt is. Disney World. And Arish will be there from Delray, so yes. that's awesome. Wow. I'm going to try uh, to get like a like a live interview with him. I know he's like dodging interviews right now because of all the EU stuff going on, but I'd love to get a live interview with him down at Star Wars or Star Wars Weekends at Walt Disney World, and maybe we can pull that off. Maybe I'm we'll... sure we're eating dinner with him, and I'm having breakfast. I'm pretty sure he'll be able to. Hopefully, and we'll get him to spill some information maybe about some of these new books that are coming out. At the very least, we can get a clip. That'd be fun. I want to I plug the Rebel Force Radio thing real quick. Um, May 23rd, it's the Friday. That's when the Rebel Force Radio listener meetup is. So if you are a listener to any of the podcasts that you heard, Star Wars Report, Fangirls Going Rogue, Rebel Force Radio, Geek Out Loud, any of that stuff. Um, but it is um, for Rebel Force Radio, and Jimmy will be there, and I'll be there, and Trisha will be there, and Steve Glosson will be there. And we're going to be hosting all of our listeners from Rebel Force Radio. We'll be meeting around, it'll be about noonish time after the parade. And so keep your ears tuned to Rebel Force Radio for location, time, all that stuff. We're going to try to ride Star Tours together, maybe see a couple shows, watch fireworks. I'm going to be wearing my Star Wars Bookworms t-shirt at the Rebel Force Radio meetup. That's fine. Tell I'll Jimmy, be wearing a Rebel Force Radio shirt, but yeah, you're Tell good. Jimmy that since you promoted his podcast on Bookworms, now he needs to promote our podcast over on Rebel Force Radio. <laughs> <laughs> have you guys ever gone to Star Wars Weekends, James or Shaz? I have not. I have not. And all my friends are going that weekend. It's killing me. Killing yeah, me. It's not too late. It, it's on the wrong coast for me. I, you know, <laughs> We don't get anything at the uh, Anaheim Park. Simply because uh, you know we'd love to get Star Wars weekends, but I think just it's just not big enough. There won't be enough space that the Disneyland is already crowded enough that they don't need to add more just for Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Don't they do like a Star Wars day out there? Uh, there's an unofficial Star Wars day that a lot of uh, fan groups get together and meet up, um, but it's not an official thing that the the park puts on. 
Yeah, that's yeah. too bad you guys won't be able to make it to Star Wars Weekends this year. Um, I've actually been a few times. I think this will be my third or fourth time going, and it's a really fun event. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be awesome, and I would definitely highly recommend it if you guys ever can find a way to get down there um, you know, next year or whatever. It's a really, really fun thing, and I'd say most Star Wars fans should try to make it at least once. Yeah, you know, Star Wars Weekends is a it's a totally different kind of atmosphere from normal conventions and it has Disney magic and it's just awesome. I don't know. I love it. It's probably why I go as much as I go. <laughs> <laughs> and you but live I like do... right next door. Well true. But that helps. You know, um if any of our fangirl listeners are are um listening right now, that sounded weird in my head and then also out loud. <laughs> I will be working um, actually at the Her Universe um, boutique inside of Darth Maul um, each weekend. I'll be working um, one day right now, but maybe two days, but probably just one day. And so you can come and come by and see me. I'll be helping to um, sell some Her Universe stuff. So awesome! I'm pretty I'll excited. Stop by there. My my wife's coming with me to Star Wars weekends, which is surprising because she doesn't. Oh, that's great! She never comes to any Star Wars stuff with me, Shaz. So this is oh, a huge. Yeah. This is a huge breakthrough for our marriage. But <laughs> after 13 years of marriage, I finally talked her into going to something with me. But yeah, I'm pretty excited. So we'll have to go by the Her Universe uh, booth and pick up some shirts for her. Yeah, there's so much new stuff coming out. It's awesome. So I'm really excited to get to do that too. So anyway, we have a book to review. <laughs> yes, we do. Let's get into it. Go ahead and uh, read us the stats, Teresa. Ooh, yay. All right. So this is Honor Among Thieves. Its original release date was March 4th of 2014. The author of this book is James S.A. Corey, which is actually a pen name for two guys, Daniel Abraham and Ty Frank. The timeline places us about zero to three years after the Battle of Yavin, right after the events of A New Hope. And the publisher summary is as follows. When the mission is to extract a high-level rebel spy from the very heart of the Empire, Leia Organa knows the best man for the job is Han Solo, something the princess and the smuggler can finally agree on. After all, for a guy who broke into an Imperial cell block and helped destroy the Death Star, the assignment sounds simple enough. When Han locates the brash rebel agent Scarlet Hark, she's determined to stay behind enemy lines. A pirate plans to sell a cache of stolen secrets that the Empire would destroy would destroy entire worlds to protect. Oh my god. I almost did it, Aaron. Almost. Okay. Including the planet where Leia is currently meeting with rebel sympathizers. Scarlet wants to track down the thief and steal the bounty herself, and Han has no choice but to go along if he's to keep everyone involved from getting themselves killed. From teeming city streets to a lethal jungle to a trap filled alien temple han chewbacca leia and their daring new comrade confront one ambush double cross and firestorm after another as they try to keep crucial intel out of imperial hands but even with the crack support of luke skywalker's x-wing squadron the alliance heroes may be hopelessly outgunned in their final battle for the highest of stakes the power to liberate the galaxy from tyranny or ensure the empire's reign of darkness forever God, that was a challenging one. I'm so sorry. My cat was freaking out too while I was reading it. It was really distracting. Oh, I, I feel like that that was such a long like summary. Like you don't even have to read the book after reading yeah, it. Yeah, there story. There's done. the story Review right there. Over. Okay, how'd everybody like it? 
that's the one thing about it is there's so many different things going on in this book. It had to be that long. I'm thinking you left out some of it somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going back to what you read about teaming city streets to a trap filled alien temple and lethal jungle. And I'm trying to remember some of those details and it's, it's coming back to me, but uh, yeah, this, this had a lot of going on. I kind of uh, referred to it a few minutes ago when we were talking about the expanded universe news that kind of broke and, I'm sure you guys have heard it, but obviously the thing with them drawing a line in the sand, we have the legend stuff now in the past, we have everything going forward is now going to be canon, and this is the last novel that just barely missed the cut. Really? And this is the last one? Yes, this is the last novel that is Ooh. not um, canon. Right? Am I right with, about that, James? That yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. I don't think there's... I think everything coming out... Uh, starting this summer is going to be part of that new story group canon line. Right. So this is Legends, the last of the Legends, and it's kind of interesting how they decided to cut this off because we had Razor's Edge, and then we have uh, Honor Among Thieves, and then the Luke novel that's coming out was supposed to be the third of the Empire and Rebellion series. Mm -hmm. But they cut it off at the second book, so the first two books in that series are not canon, and then the Luke one will be canon. So it's kind of an odd place to make that cut. And I feel like this story was kind of a standalone story enough that they could have maybe slipped it in. I'm kind of sad they didn't, but um, how do you guys feel? it's got one non-canonical section. Hand shoots first. (laughs) (laughs) that's what killed it well it's it's interesting that you you mentioned the empire and rebellion because you know the cover doesn't even mention that it's part of a series i think they when they were having this publishing timeline and then they got into this whole story group thing they were like oh this series is going to be a really weird series if we put empire and rebellion and and keep it as a series Mm mm-hmm yeah, I think they officially so. dropped that Empire Rebellion title um, with the second book. So yeah, yeah. they, they it's, did it's drop a... it, but at, in the the original plan was to have all three novels as part of a series. Yeah, it's in the inside of the book, but it's not on the cover. I think they they were able to change that, but maybe not uh, the inside of the book. Hmm. So. But. I'm curious, this is a little bit off subject, not about the book, but I'm just curious because we have you guys on and I don't get to talk to you that regularly. So I want to hear your opinions on this. But as far as how the Legends now is going to be viewed by uh, Expanded Universe fans, are you, how are you guys looking at the Legends line of books now? Are you looking at it as just it's not canon anymore and everything's just kind of standing on its own? Are you looking at it as a separate kind of universe? Um I guess I'll throw it to you first, Shaz. I'm not sure how much of the books that you read, but um, how do you feel about this whole Legends thing? If, if it doesn't contradict, directly contradict something that we see on screen, it's still good to me. You know, they're, they're, I, I didn't read the New Jedi Order because that's whenever I stopped reading for a while. I went back to school and I just never went back and picked them up, but almost everything else I've read. So if it doesn't, if it doesn't contradict directly, it's good until it's contradicted and then... You know, I, I make my own Shaz canon anyway. And uh, whatever fits, fits, and whatever doesn't, doesn't. And I think most people do that, don't they? I, uh, do. I, I know a few own. that don't. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm you? sorry. That's right. That There's would be Aaron, Aaron in the hand shoots first category. <laughs> There's <laughs> or hand does not shoot first. <laughs> Aaron lives by. I the... forgot about that. 
the timeline of well this. i'm just my that's just kind of how i think of things i need things like in order and i need to have rules and and that's kind of i like my rules and i like the books fitting all together i can roll roll with the flow i'm not turning my back on everything but yeah i definitely know fans like me that this isn't as easy of a transition where they can just say oh you know whatever i want to count counts mm-hmm. like a lot of fans do want to have some kind of rules or tell us what what counts but um what about you, James? How did how do you feel about the Legends uh, books now? Um, Are you still going to go back and I, enjoy them? I think, them? you know, in, in the bigger picture, you think of it kind of like an alternate universe or like the Marvel Ultimates line that, you know, they they all still fit together well and they're still great stories. And like Shaz says, you can, you know, make it part of your own personal canon if it, you know, doesn't conflict with the... Uh, you know the movies and so you know i'm i'm kind of the in the same way i think there was a line from one of the pirates of the caribbean movies that kind of sums up my own feelings about this which was like some say it was a woman some says it was the sea you know different stories but all true and so that way and that really kind of you know that was my kind of view on the eu and how everything fit i didn't need everything to, to fit together perfectly and in, into one timeline that you know you can have multiple stories that tell you know the origin of something but they can all kind of exist and i I think with the legends that just takes it a step further that saying hey these are all legends so they can all be true even if they contradict each other because you know they're separate legends but they they all for the most part mesh well together and i think going forward it'll be good to have it as a sort of the background that they can you know pull stuff from it'll be really interesting to see you know how they um pull stuff in from legends into the the new canon or the new I, we can't call it an expanded universe anymore we, we need a new name <laughs> we have one legends no 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 That's legends the new is stuff the, the, the new stuff that is just story group canon oh new stuff i got it sorry wrong i think wrong i name. heard dunk said today on uh on twitter that she was just going to keep calling everything the expanded universe so yeah, she, well, she does what she wants, and I'm sure some she, people will follow and fall in line with that. But yeah, I think the the SWEU hashtag is a convenient place, you know, on Twitter to kind of find stuff. And it is kind of weird yeah. now because some people are using that hashtag, some people are using the SW Legends to talk about the old stuff. Well, here's a question for you: Did Lucasfilm actually coin the term expanded universe, or is that something that came up from fandom? I thought that they coined that. With with the uh, with the heir to the empire, didn't they? Right around that time, anyway. I, I cannot intellectually answer this question. I'm not sure. Yeah, I I'm, I'm How not about sure. Non-intellectually. <laughs> if I had <laughs> to guess, gut, man, I feel like it's something that maybe grew out of fandom and then Lucasfilm embraced it. But I know they definitely use the term, you know, officially now. In uh, you know, you see it in all the source books and stuff like that. They use the term expanded universe. So they definitely use it now. How was it born? I'm not sure. But it's now something of the past because now everything going forward is canon, which I think is awesome. I, I'm really excited about the future of the books and seeing how they tie it in with the movies and Rebels and all the things that we have coming are going to be amazing. And I'm really looking forward to that stuff, as I'm sure you guys are. Oh, yeah. And I'm glad that we've got a movie coming out that I don't know what's going to happen in it. Yes, that, that there is definitely yeah. that element to... There's going to be surprises, whereas if they had just stuck with what happened in the books, then all of us readers would already kind of know where they're going with it. Yes. Right. And then we know, hey, there's this big wedding scene. Don't go. Don't go. Oh, wait. That's a different series. (laughs) Uh, Well, Mark Herleman said it really well, you know, that 
before all of this, we all kind of had an idea because we sort of knew what Lucas's Star Wars was, you know, and he would hit us with a few things that we weren't expecting, but we pretty much had kind of learned what it was going to be. And so it didn't really matter, you know, what he did because we all would have a general idea. But now it's kind of anybody's ballgame. And I love that. And I'm going to get flamed for the fact that I just said that I love Star Wars that isn't necessarily Lucas Star Wars, but I do. Yeah, now we get to find out what J.J. Star Wars looks like. And I wonder wonder if it's going to look anything like Star Trek. Maybe that's an indication. You know, he's already kind of dabbled in that sci-fi realm. You know, so at least the visuals, maybe we kind of have an idea what they're going to look like. But, yeah, there's a lot of unknown coming. Yeah, and I think that that unknown is, you know, like Teresa said, is what's so great about it is that, that, you know, we're not getting something that we already know. And it's something, you know, even even with the prequels, we kind of had broad strokes of where it was going and it just how we got there was was to be seen. But now it's just a wide open field. Definitely. Well, let's we definitely spent more time on that than I was wanting to, but <laughs> it's OK. Um, let's talk about this book. Um, Teresa, I'm going to ask you first. How did you think Super. they did with getting Han Solo as a character? I mean, this is his book. You know, it's basically most of the book is told from his point of view. How did you feel they did with him as a character? So seeing as how I don't have as much experience in this era time frame, um, because I've spent so much time in the older public, um, I don't know how to compare it to other things that have been written that have him in it other than things that we've read. Compare it Um, to the movies or compare it to A New Hope. That's kind of what I'm wondering. How do you feel they got him as compared to the films? Okay, well, in that regard, then I think that they did a pretty decent job. I think there was maybe a little bit that was missing for me just in the way of like his snark. Um, I didn't feel it Mm -hmm. as much. But I felt like they captured the essence of his character and who he was and kind of his place in the universe with all of the other characters. What do you guys think, James? Um, I thought that they did a great job. There's me using great again. Um, No, the characterization of Han really fit well with where he is at this time, that he's still not sure about being a a full-time Rebellion member, that he's still the solo operator that his name indicates um and it brings up a really good question that you know most of the time our heroes all agree on what they're doing and you know what they're doing is right and here we have a a major conflict between him and leia about what the end goal should be and i think that that speaks to them creating you know this conflict and doing a good job of, of catching the characters in a way that makes sense yeah, it, well, it, it does. It, it brings him into, I, I guess, his growth from A New Hope to Empire. And you see his, his departure or his desire to depart in Empire there on Hoth. You know, he's he's ready to take off right then because he's still he's not part of the rebellion. He's an outsider. He's not there. And this this one shows some of the conflict within him because he's he's trying to convince the rebels that they're criminals like he is. Um, but he doesn't want to join them because you know, meet the new boss, same as the old boss, as the who used to put it. I think Han put it, uh, uh, the new tax collector, same as the old tax collector. So, uh, you know, it, he, he, I do miss the snark, though. 
especially early on, it was almost like he was uh, more naive than than the hand we know from from uh, A New Hope. I kind of like the way they characterized him. Um, I felt like it really matched with A New Hope because I know like some of the novels that I've read, it's almost like they make Han too competent. They make him too good. And they, of course, if you're writing a novel about Han Solo, you want to make him seem, you know, like the most competent heroic character. But that's really not how he was in A New Hope. You know, he was kind of the guy that was making mistakes, you know, overconfident and thinking that he was going to be able to escape. And then his hyperdrive fails and running down a hallway towards stormtroopers and realizing he got in over his head. That's the Han Solo that I knew from A New Hope. And I think they captured that really well in this novel. You know, he was super confident and then realized that maybe he wasn't quite as in charge as he thought he was. Yeah, pretty quickly. He, he's not in yeah. charge. <laughs> yeah. And for a guy that's used to being in charge of his own destiny, you know, just basically it's him, the Falcon and Chewie that, you know, having to take orders from other people. And, and he keeps running into that, that is like, hey, I want to do things my way which means we're supposed to get out now. And it's like, why, why are you saying we can't leave? We have to stick around for other people. And so there's that conflict between wanting to help his friends and maybe, you know, it's a long time since he's had people that he can actually trust. And so wanting to help his friends versus wanting to do what he thinks is right, which is to get out of there and, you know, get his friends out as opposed to keep following their damn mission. Do you guys think that any of this has to do with his sort of having one foot in the rebellion and one foot out still? Because at this point, he's not fully committed. We don't see him fully committed until we get to even Return of the Jedi. Because um, in Empire, I don't feel like he's still fully committed yet. Oh, no. Uh, he's ready to go in Empire. No, I guess for me, it's like when I see him in Jedi, you know, and he's taking a mission on and he's like, you know, in charge and all that kind of yep. stuff. It's just a totally different kind of thing for me. But do you think the events in this book sort of reflect the fact that he's kind of like one foot in, one foot out? Yeah. And he's in because it's his friends. It's not because he believes in their cause as much as it is. It's his friends. And, and maybe these people... Uh, government run by them would be more freedom than the empire is, but still he sees himself in this book as, as going to be outside the system either way. Let's say the rebellion wins. I'm still going to be a smuggler. I'm still going to be, you know, my home is in the bars, in the seedy establishments, just outside the law. So it really doesn't matter who's in charge. It'd be nicer if, you know, it was a, a different government that had less of an iron fist. But, you know, based on what he what he does at the end, he 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 points out he doesn't trust any government. So it, he is one foot in, one foot out, but I think you're really right. I think in Return of the Jedi is when he really takes that step and says, I'm in with this, not just because it's my friends, but because this is the right thing to do. Shaz, you said earlier that you've, you kind of missed the snark, and, and Teresa, you said it as well. Do you think that maybe some of his lack of snark was stolen by this new character that we were uh, that we were introduced to, Scarlet Hark, who was extremely snarky throughout the entire book, um, you think maybe they were saving all the good lines for her? Maybe I don't know. Through the whole thing, it, like her name is Scarlet Hark, but through the whole thing, it's kind of funny. I was kind of thinking her name should be Scarlet Snark. Um, but, but... <laughs> she is definitely a female Han Solo, isn't she? Like for real, for real. Yeah. And I just said, for real, for real. Okay. <laughs> I'm not cutting that out. <laughs> no, that's a great one. It's great! 
Yeah, I, I mean, she's the kind of the new character in this book. She's the one that we're supposed to really get behind, I think. Um, did you guys, were you sold on this character? Were you kind of, I, I was kind of equating it to how they introduced Mara Jade in the in the, the Zahn novels. And she became like a regular character. Is and I think because of the fact that the the what happened with the EU, we probably will never see this character again. But were you guys, you know, bought into this character enough that you would hope to see her maybe in her own book someday or maybe show up again? Um, I'd like to see her show up again. I definitely bought into her character. At first it seemed like, okay, we have yet another super competent uh, redhead. Um, but you know, she kind Why of. Why is their hair always red? Her you hair's not I mean? red. Um, but, but in the co- on the cover, it looks like it's red. But in the in the book, they 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 say at least a few times that her hair is very dark black. It's like black hair. All right. So, but the cover is misleading. So I can see why you thought her hair was red because on the cover it definitely looks like it is. Yeah, I mean everybody has kind of a reddish tint on the cover. But yeah. It uh, you know still getting the the super competent, but. You know, you can kind of see that she's only really skillful in certain matters, and so then Han is there to you know pick up the slack in other matters, and and you know they have definitely different ways of doing things, and you know for for Scarlet the, the mission kind of comes first, and so that runs against you know Han saying, well I've got a mission too, and that's to get you out of here. Yeah, and that's that's the difference in the characters, but you know she she is. I bought into it. Now, at the end of the book, I lazy read this, by the way, which means you you read it audibly rather than in a real book. So I didn't have the cover. But um, at the end of it, there was a, a little brief story that was just her story. Did did y'all have that at the end of the novel? Yeah, it is at yeah. the end of the, the hardback, and I did not read it. Oh, um, you've got to read it. You've I will read, read it. I was really literally good. up till, like, I finished this book last night. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to read that yet, but I do plan to. What kind of give us the uh, give us an idea of what that story was? Well, she's meeting with an imperial officer who's about to turn over some information to her, but he's not quite sure he wants to because he'd feel like a traitor, and you know he's always hated people that sold out their 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 side. You know, I think he talks about some rebels who did it, but she's showing that her negotiation skills, and I think that she's she's cast as a very intelligent person she is in intelligence because she she's a thinker she negotiates she's able to handle just about any situation and she feels like she's almost hopeless in this this case it's really a short story but you're in her head the whole time and and i think it's really well written in that regard she is the hero and once i once i heard that little brief short story at the end of it it really played into to the idea this is the main character of the book or the new one that we were supposed to get and it's almost as if she needs her own book now. She's that good of a character because you could see her embracing these various roles. But when we're first introduced to her and hands run around with her and he says something about her highnessness or or her worship or something like that. And, and Scarlet Hart turns around and says, what? What are you talking about? I almost thought that they were telegraphing that she's royalty too. Did y'all huh, get I that? Didn't... I didn't catch that, but... I just wanted to piggyback off what you were saying that she is a really strong, intelligent character and she almost has a little bit of Leia and a little bit of Han, yes. you yep. know? And I mean, obviously she's not a Jaina solo, but in an interesting way, she's almost as awesome as a Jaina solo in so many different ways. 
which is just really cool. Yeah, this is... Go ahead. I was just going to say, this is definitely the kind of character they could run with, and uh, she could be another Mara Jade type where she could, you know, have a book on her own, and I think people would buy it. I think think she would be a popular character. Unfortunately, because of the timing of when her story falls... um, it, it's unlikely that we'll see her again, which is kind of sad because I really enjoyed her character as well. This would be a really good character for a movie. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Not that anybody I... who cares is listening. Or she could what? come into Rebels. Standalone? Standalone movie? What? What? <laughs> <laughs> well, if they let the these guys write another book in the actual canon universe, um, who knows? They might pull her in. So we'll see. Makes sense. I'd I'd be up for another book by uh, James S. A. Corey. Yeah, I I mean we can kind of get to our overall thoughts at the end, but yeah, teaser. I liked it. So teaser. <laughs> some other interesting characters that we were introduced to. Uh, we have this other smuggler that you, is from Han's past, like an old friend, and his name was uh, Basin Ray, which was an interesting character. He's he's of the. Um, Merlin species is that how you say it that's like a Berezofi right 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 yeah right so I thought that was kind of interesting to use that species as like this kind of heavy set smuggler like I just I always imagined them as more like very proper you know kind of people I guess because of a Berezofi in the way that she's portrayed but mm-hmm. you know I guess these planets have all types but yeah I thought that was an interesting species choice for a smuggler well I mean I don't know. We've had this discussion before, and it always comes up anytime I talk about Star Wars. But any character or any species can do anything. And yeah. I'm not saying that Ewoks could be smugglers, but you never know. Just saying. I think Just... there might have been an Ewok smuggler in a book at one point. <laughs> I think there was an Ewok bounty hunter. Yeah. There? I think How there was. How amazing would that be? And... I love Ewoks. By the way, an aside has nothing to do with this. But I was talking to Zach Gialongo today, and I was trying to type Tebow with my phone, because we were talking about Ewoks, because that's what we always talk about, and my phone auto-corrected it to Reebok. And so now I think he's going to draw an Ewok named Reebok. Wearing Reeboks. That would be awesome. Oh, my. Anyway. So back to uh, Basin Ray. Uh, I thought this was a good character. Interesting. You know, he's from Han's past. Han always seems to have these people that show up from his past, you know, in the especially in the EU. But so he had a lot of smuggler friends, apparently. But this guy I thought was really interesting. Now he has I'm assuming he's never he's never been in anything else. Has he, James? Do you know? Not not that I've. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure Basin Ray and Sunim are uh, new creations. Original to this this book. OK. Yeah. Yeah. So. He was he was cool. Like they kind of start off when we meet him. He's definitely a bad guy, and you know he's trying to basically kill Han, and then ends up losing his hand to Han uh, shooting his hand off with his blaster. And then you know the book goes on for a while, and then he ends up showing back up. And I was happy to see that they kept this character in the book because he was very interesting at the beginning. And then when he showed back up, I was really excited. Like, oh, that's cool. It's cool that they, you know, kind of kept that character coming back because you know he was interesting did you guys like him were you happy to see him show up later on yeah and he's a very real threat he keeps pursuing over and over and over and over he's always there and, and i like that hand shot his hand off 
mm-hmm. because this this is Han. This is a New Hope Han. This is the one who's who's tough and who's yeah. he's got to be tough to be able to deal with these people who are trying to catch him. He's not easy going, and you know you get in his way. He and Chewie are planning a way to get out of it. So I like I like Boston Ray, you know, coming in and 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 bringing that aspect of Han out. But he's also a really interesting character, and never really, even even in his end in the book, it's not. Oh, that's right. We're spoiler free. Um, no, we're, no, we're yeah, you can say whatever you want. We're, we're free from not saying spoilers. <laughs> you can say anything. Even when he dies, he doesn't die so much because he's totally changed who he is. It's just that's he's still out for himself. You know, he, yeah. he's, he's he's all and that's what the smugglers are. And that helps us understand Han, I think. I love what Han says when he dies. When I think it was Leia that said, yeah. or no, it was Scarlet that said, well, he, he was a good guy after all. And Han says, no, he wasn't. No. And then, a well, a friend at least. Not really. Not, not really. Not a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not a long time. I thought that was, that was a pretty awesome writing there. I don't think yeah. Han has any friends except for what he didn't intend to be his friends, <laughs> being Luke and Leia. Yes. Maybe other than Chewie. Other but- than Chewie. But I don't know. I mean, Chewie and him are more like, they're more like brothers in, you know, from different mothers. But they're brothers. <laughs> for real, for real. For real, for real. <laughs> well, oh, you know, goodness. if everybody could just shoot at anything big and scary, it'd be shoot. Chewie could never come off the ship. Yeah, that was yeah, a good line, that's, too. That's it. That's his only friend, though. Speaking of Chewie on the ship, I, I, the one thing about this book um, that I found kind of disappointing is we didn't get very much Chewbacca. It always seemed like they left him back on the ship. You know, Han went to get Scarlet and left Chewbacca there when at the end, when they're going into that temple, he leaves Chewbacca. You know, I guess it's smart to leave your pilot with the ship just in case you need a fast getaway, but that made it so we didn't get a lot of Chewbacca in this book. They were kind of treating Chewbacca as sort of like how they seem to treat 3PO and RTD2 sometimes, where they're just kind of there filling in gaps but not really doing anything not really a full character yeah and i don't like that i mean i think i think Chewie and 3po and r2 are full characters on their own that can hold you know chapters on their own and episodes of the clone wars by themselves you know and things like that so why can't they do that it's hard to write dialogue well true Although they did it pretty well here because Scarlet's responding to everything he says. Yeah, they definitely did a good job with Chewbacca in this book as far as portraying the way he is. And it did seem like very much like I I kept coming back to A New Hope is what I thought the the feel of this book, at least the first, you know, three quarters of it, I felt was very A New Hope. Um, Then it got more Indiana Jones towards the end. But yes, It suddenly became indie, exactly. But yeah, I thought they got Chewbacca pretty well. I just would have liked to see more of them. We had just read um, Trusa Bikura for our book club, and there's actually chapters in Trusa Bikura that you have it completely from Chewbacca's point of view, where you actually hear like what he's saying in his head. So that was wow. interesting. Um, but this book took a completely different way of going about Chewbacca. Maybe yeah, you I just think... got Chewbacca spoiled, Aaron. Maybe. <laughs> I, I think that. You know, Chewbacca and the droids are are tougher characters to write for because of the communication and because, you know, they, you know, in the films they're they're given some dimensionality but not a whole lot. That like Chewbacca 
some sometimes he just is like you know the dog and so it's not that he's a full person but he could be and so i think some some authors you know aren't quite sure what to do with them and so i think you know putting them on the sidelines a bit more and but making sure that you know when they are a part of it that they're a full part of it uh, like they are here i call discrimination yeah, it but is I discrimination. It's discrimination, and I don't know what the right word is for it because I don't know if there's such a thing as alien species discrimination. There but is. I just Speciesism. made it up, and it's a thing. It's a thing. Well, you know, Han, Han's pretty pretty dirty in this one in regards to Chewie. Since you brought up Chewie, I, I kept getting upset because Chewie's always like, if you were back here at the at the ship, I could get this stuff done faster. Han's like, yeah, yeah, I'll be back there later. i got a few things to check out. Did you notice yeah. that? Yeah, yeah he, he kind of sticks like he was... Chewy with all the work all the time. Yeah, yeah, he was passing him off like you know, but it's almost he does that in the films too. He's like, I was gonna he say stuff on him all the time. Yeah, you it's know? just where he's like, why didn't you fix it? You it's know, very much based on the movies. Yeah. yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I just felt when they were trying to get that missile out of the back, which did did didn't y'all think it was a tracking device as soon as it got into the hull? No, they surprised me. Oh, really? Yeah. I was when it didn't blow up. I was like, "They're tracking him." Aaron's just naive. Yeah, no. Anything that comes across like that, you know, I'm immediately thinking, "Okay, somebody's doing something." Somebody's doing. There's some reason that didn't explode. Something's not right. It would. It it was just going to be really awesome that it was a dud, or that it was a timer-based one, and you did have to race against the clock to try and figure out how to get it out. But that seems a little more Star Trek, even Star Wars. At this point, is there really that big of a difference between Star Trek and Star Wars? Now that we've got the new Star Trek movies, the J.J. Abrams ones, I mean, I feel like there's not as much of a divide anymore. That's totally different. Totally different. Yeah. (laughs) I don't want to get through this without talking about this character. Um, Hunter Moss? Yeah, Hunter Moss. Hunter Moss? The most unique unique (laughs) character in this book. And I, I want to ask you, James... Does he remind you of any Clone Wars character? What? You mean like a certain pirate captain? <laughs> yes. Okay, that was awful. <laughs> I should not be allowed to do Hondo's voice without uh, actual lines. <laughs> yeah, no, Hunter Moss definitely had a, a great persona around him of uh, him with his Kowaki monkey lizard, which, you know, seemed very Hondo, but then also his little droid. And actually, you know, I think that droid, you know, made for an interesting character because, you know, once it joined up with the heroes, it kept following them and it actually did a couple things, so. But he actually Moss... becomes part of the rebellion, I think, at the end, right? Yeah. Doesn't yeah. He? yeah. Um, but... Yeah, Hunter Moss. I mean, that character, as soon as I started reading it, the way he was talking, the way he was acting, the bravado of the character, I was like, this is basically Hondo Anaka. He's been pulled into this novel. Come on. I wish I had read this on a page because I totally got a different impression. Well, I guess mm-hmm. if they're if you're reading, if you're listening to the audiobook, they're they're putting a have... voice in there for you. Yes. So. Yes, and have y'all seen The Princess Bride? Of course. Yes. Yeah. Inconceivable. Oh my God! Are <laughs> that you serious? That was the voice of Hunter Moss. Really? So right off the bat, he is, you know, a short ball in- guy, incompetent, <laughs> a short ball guy with no shirt. I mean, oh that's God. that's who he is. That's the definition of sexy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he really can't pull off the shirtless look in my brain. I mean, when he when he says he's he's got the market on masculinity, 
I was like, no, no, you can't do this voice with this guy. And I would have loved to have read him as Hondo. Hondo is one of my favorite characters. That's how I read it. As oh, I was reading it, I was like, this is Hondo oh, Naka. Wow. No, and do, when I read it, do, I, I saw Hondo. But now it's such a weird, it's a really weird image in my head because I'm thinking like the guy from Princess Bride and then I'm thinking Hondo and it's just, it doesn't mesh well. well doing, <laughs> doing the Princess Bride, you know, he also did the voice or he was he was in um star trek as ferengi um i think and so i also now start picturing him sort of as a ferengi trying to be (laughs) all bravado and everything and it's just coming out horribly horribly wrong and i think that actually kind of sums it up a bit that that it's like if somebody wanted to be hondo but was horribly horribly wrong like they, they they got all the swagger and you know some of the brains but not quite a full deck yeah, and yeah. he ends up yeah. dying a pretty, you know, unnoble death, getting shot down by Bass and Ray. Yeah. And um, I was kind of sad that he died as early as he did. I thought maybe they, he'd kind of tag along with them for a while and he'd be kind of the comic relief. But um, nope, he, he died on the hotel floor. Yeah. Well, it's the same as Hondo. Hondo doesn't get his due. Not, he doesn't die, but I'm just saying, like, he doesn't get. <laughs> like, what? He didn't die unless Hondo's you were watching a different. Yet. No, he can't be. There's no way. But my point is, is he doesn't get enough time. No. You know? Well, oh, well, that's true. And, and then he always loses in the March Madness thing, which is so wrong. They put him against Han. How can you put him yeah. against Han? I know. Han? Why would you do that? I, I complained last year. It's like, Hondo's not a bad guy. So they put him in the good guy bracket this year. And then that just didn't work out as well. I don't know. They, they need a separate bracket just for Hondo, and then Hondo can win that bracket. <laughs> so we were kind of talking about it. Uh, it became Indiana Jones uh, toward the end. And yes. I feel like this is where the story kind of lost. Not It didn't lose me, but this is where it, it went from being very much like A New Hope um, and being kind of this space adventure to being more Indiana Jones and not very Star Wars-like at all. And... I didn't necessarily like that turn. How did you guys feel about it? It still felt Star Wars to me, but it, I mean, we've seen some sort of adventure, you know, Tomb Raidery type stuff in other Star Wars. You know, that there were some Han Solo adventure books that uh, yes. had had elements of this. Um, but you know, I think at the end with the big firefight and the stormtroopers and stuff, that felt very uh, Star Wars. That they were pinned down and had to come up with a plan, and meanwhile, they're all you know, fighting each other and getting through taking out, trying to pin off those stormtroopers. That felt very, you know, we're on the Death Star, stormtroopers are shooting at us. Yeah, it it moved through that temple really quickly to be in the Death Star. It really did. It was in that kind of an environment. I would have loved to have seen this being uh, a primitive technology that they just happened to discover and it wasn't even intended to be hyperspace controlling. You know what I mean? I thought that's where they were going to go. So when they went back to a modern but more ancient technology te- culture, rather, once they passed the 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 temple, it it shook me, jarred me a bit. But all of a sudden, once there's stormtroopers there, and once there's that lift, uh, and the corridors are, are are metal, then it's 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 the Death Star. So it was very much you know escape the belly of the Death Star. Um, for me, I didn't really. I didn't really see Indiana Jones, but I guess that's because Indiana Jones for me is very, you know, 
historical, going after historical artifact type of things. And it would have had to have really been like the talking about using the words the Holy Grail in order for me to be like, oh, <laughs> you know, Andy. But no, I didn't really notice it that much. But um, it still felt very Star Wars to me through the whole thing. But I think one of the things that I caught on to the most was them trying to really stick with the storylines of um, A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back and not really giving away anything that happens like in the films, but trying to keep in tune with what has happened already. Um, mm-hmm. Stuff like kind of keeping, you know, Luke and Leia like kind of separate, you know, and just, you know, not really like going down that road of, you know, siblings kissing each other type of thing and like trying to just keep things in the realm of the films. And I thought that was interesting because in a lot of the times when we read these books and stuff, we don't really, I don't really think about the films that much, but in this one, I was noticing that little things about the movies that were, you know, had a piece to play in the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I guess when I was saying it didn't feel like star Wars to me, it was kind of, I guess it was because they're in this ancient temple and this kind of this ancient technology that, has been harnessed that can hand, you know, can, you know, stop people from hi- hyperspace travel. And it, it just didn't seem, I guess in star Wars, it's always, you know, the technologies is very mechanical and this is almost, it was just different. It was, this you know, and there, and the, yeah, like it, there was almost a magical element to it that, that didn't quite fit for me personally, but it doesn't seem like it bothered you guys. So did it we remind you of, of center point station at all? Yeah, like something like that, like this ancient technology that people don't really understand. And that's definitely been used in the EU yeah. a lot. But in the movies, I'm kind of comparing it to the movies right, um, right. because uh, the the New Hope feel that I had through, you know, three-fourths of the book, um, that's where it, start, it stopped feeling like movie Star Wars and started to feel more like expanded universe Star Wars, I guess maybe would have been a better way to put it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, yeah, because I was wondering. I mean, we see a lot of magic type stuff oh, yeah. in the comics and in the EU and then in the Clone Wars and stuff. So I didn't, that cleared that up. Yeah, so they, they come up against this guy, uh, Galatian, who is, I guess, the bad guy of the book, but he doesn't really show up until the very end. Yeah. We didn't really have a bad guy throughout the novel, um, but he was a little bit underwhelming because the way they were kind of describing him as, as this, you know, this cutthroat killer that has these weapons that he uses like these machine or these uh, droids that fly around and hit people. I kind of expected a little bit more out of him and I was a little let down. He was a little bit underwhelming. I'd agree. I think in, in, in that was, they didn't, he appeared so late that we didn't have any sense that this person was out there until the end. They're like, Hey, we have a bad guy now. And then, Oh, we've dealt with the bad guy and we're now back to, uh, sorting out, uh, what's going on with, uh, you know, Bassin and such. Yeah, I mean, for me, I actually kind of liked the lack of a inherent bad guy, but I read a lot of books like that, you know, in um, young adult novels and stuff where you don't really have, like, one clear bad guy. You just kind of have this sort of, like, eerie feeling a lot of the time. And so it didn't really bother me that he came in at the end. I mean, he wasn't really a really well-developed character or anything like that, but I don't know if... He really needed to be in order for the story to be told. Well, I, I think they, they all the bad guy or all the different characters are written on a certain plane. This like the Han Solo 
plane. You've got a, a, a pirate, the shirtless pirate that I wish I could hear as Hondo Onaka. Um, you've got uh, the, the bounty hunter who used to be a smuggler. You've got um, really, uh, oh, what is his name again? Glee? It's not Gleason. What is his name? See, he's in the book so little, I don't even remember his name. Oh, Galatian. 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 You've got him in there who all he really wants is to be, you know, have a few planets bow down to him. He's, he doesn't have huge high ambitions. And I think that that's the type of, of, a, of an adversary that you can believe that Han Solo can deal with. Maybe that's the reason they're written like this. You don't have Luke Skywalker versus Darth Vader or Luke versus the Emperor. You've got hand versus people that that are really kind of on that same plane. They just want to live in their own little world and get what's coming to them. Maybe that's that's why these characters are like that. that they're kind sense. of written at at his level in yeah. terms of these these are you know for allies and adversaries and kind of in between. I don't know. Am I just making it up? No, it's no. great. Great huh? point. Um, and we didn't really talk about Luke Skywalker much, but that's probably because he really wasn't in the book that much. <laughs> Even though he was on the uh, the dramatist persona, but yeah, he he basically has a quick cameo at the beginning, a quick cameo at the end, and he does actually destroy a star destroyer, so that was pretty cool. But yeah, we don't get to see much of Luke, which is totally uh-huh. okay because Luke gets way too much time. In he's Star-Bus. got his own book. Yeah, he's got his own book coming, so. Um, I guess that's that's fine that he didn't get a lot of time. And we even got a Wedge Antilles uh, cameo, I guess you can call it. Yeah, the, the end of Wedge. Which was kind of cool. <laughs> he won't be in Episode 7, but he was in nope. Honor Among Thieves. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, did you, um, oh, go did ahead. you guys feel like you could predict what was going to happen in the book since you know what happens in Empire and you know what happens in A New Hope? Um, not every bit of it. No, because, you know, it's, it's such a small story on a small scale, even though it has a huge implications of, of what could have happened. Uh, I think it did really well keeping Han at arm's length from the from the rebellion. You know, he's just there to make money and get back out as soon as he can. And, and it, it's almost as if he's more against it than he was at the end of A New Hope by the end of it. But you know what's going to happen ultimately, but you don't know what's going to happen from event to event. And I didn't know what was going to happen to Scarlet Hark. There was a point where yeah. I thought they were going to kill her. Um, when did you think so, they were going to kill her? Well, during the that last battle, I yeah. thought that, you know, kind of what ended up happening to Basin Ray, where he almost inadvertently sacrificed himself, um, I kind of thought maybe Scarlet would do some sort of a sacrificial thing and end up dying. But... Yeah, so that I think because you introduce these new characters into a novel, there's always that element of unknown. You know what's going to happen to these new characters. Obviously, we know Han and Leia aren't going to die. Chewbacca's right. not going to die, but Basin Ray died, and so did that other shirtless guy. And you know, <laughs> Scarlet got messed up. You know, she got shot a couple times. So there, there was some unknown with the new characters. But yeah, so I think we can uh, go ahead and wrap this one up. I think we covered it pretty good. So overall thoughts, did you guys, you know, like this one? This is, is this one that you would recommend to a friend? Um, let's start with James. Uh, I enjoyed the book. I'd recommend it to anyone who, who likes the that classic trilogy era that it captures, I think, a lot of the feel of it, especially, you know, for, for Han Solo fans. This did a good job. It, it worked for me. 
Yeah, I totally agree. I, I'm I'm a big Han Solo fan. My first EU was uh, Han Solo's Revenge. So, you know, any Han Solo is good good for me. And and it gets his character where he needs to be between. And it, it must be really really close to a New Hope, closer to that than it is to Empire Strikes Back. And and it shows what's going on in his head. And it it's believe it's what we always wanted to see going on in between the movies. I think anyway, that's what I always wanted to see. So you, you, you relate to him a little bit better. So, yeah, if you like Han Solo, definitely. Um, and for me, if you like um, if you like Han Solo, it's a good book. I actually really enjoyed Han Solo in the book more than I've enjoyed Han Solo in some other things, um, Scoundrels. And then um, if you like really cool um, female characters that have a lot of dimension to them, then... There's a really good character in this one who we'll probably never see again, which is sad face. But yeah, I I agree with all of you. I love I loved this book. I'll use the word loved. I don't use that very often when it comes to Star Wars books. I tend to be somewhat hypercritical when I read Star Wars books, just because I've read so many of them. But for whatever reason, this one really resonated with me. I really enjoyed the story. I enjoyed the way they portrayed Han. I thought he was you know spot on from the way he was portrayed in A New Hope. Um, I thought Scarlet Hark was a great character, a great addition to the Star Wars universe, although short-lived. Hopefully we'll find her in the new canon some way, um, or if they ever come back to the Legends universe, maybe sometime in the future we can get a novel of her. But um, yeah, I, I thought the other, you know, kind of the side characters they introduced were great. I love the way that the story, you know, just took a small group of characters and carried them through, you know, it wasn't jumping around all across the galaxy you know, to different groups of people or it didn't have a huge cast Ooh, like some of the point. some of the legacy books and the fate of the Jedi where it's almost hard to keep up with what's going on. Right, because there's so many players. Yeah, this one was just so focused and the story moved so fast and it was a great adventure and I loved it. It was one of the best that I've read in a while. And no Jedi. I know, and I usually that's one of the big things that I makes know, me that's not your like thing. a book. <laughs> but yes, no, you know, Luke did take down a Star Destroyer. So yes, so okay. he probably used some Jedi skills when he did that. Yeah, but but not his lightsaber. <laughs> we don't know how he did it. He could. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I definitely give this one thumbs up. Uh, bravo on on this one, James S. A. Corey. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that uh, that actually, I'm kind of intrigued to check out some of the other books written by this pair um usually i am not into checking out the other books written by star wars authors but you know i've, I've heard good things about the caliban's war and so it's like maybe i should check those out and hopefully yeah. we'll get them to write some new books for star wars or them i guess well and before we close out um i had pulled up the article that the guys had written for when the for the star wars blog when the book released um and so I wanted to point out a couple of things that they said just because we were talking about when this book came out and about it not being canon and stuff. So in this article, they said, we're not going to lie about this. It's a weird time to have an EU novel come out. The news and the forums are filled with questions about canonicity and the direction of Star Wars moving forward. The place of massive body of work and love and imagination of the expanded universe has been called into question just as we became a part of it. We wanted to write an invitation into this series for people who hadn't seen it, and now there are going to be new movies, maybe TV shows, probably books, then that may leave some or all of it behind. 
So here's the thing. If we had to do it all again, we wouldn't change it. Star Wars, whether you mean just the work of Lucas or the television shows, continuity or the expanded universe or non-canonical Lego games, is one of the central idioms of science fiction in the last half century. And its new reinvention can change a lot of things without changing that fact. Honor Among Thieves was meant to be a book you could enjoy as part of the expanded universe or used to hook your boyfriend who never reads that stuff into it, and it still is. The two of us who don't know what the final fate of the EU is going to be, or the two of us don't know what the final fate of the EU is going to be, we don't know what the new movies are going to bring, we can say that the future of Star Wars, like its past, is going to be made by dedicated creative passionate fans and that any addition or new direction is only going to make the soil richer and the mythology wider and if we can get more people to come play here and understand what about this particular setting and universe makes it what it is we'll have won and i just thought that was really well said for a pair that had the last book coming out that would not be a part of things going forward yeah, yeah it, it sums up really for everybody right there. I think they, they did a, a good overarching explanation of what the EU now is, or the legends. Legends or legend, legendary? It's legends. Yes, yeah, legends. legends. All right. Well, that's a great way to end it, Teresa. Thanks for finding that. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap this episode up. And before we do, um, Shaz, where can people find you? Where do you want to point our listeners to to find your stuff online? Oh, you can find us at Techno Retro Dads. It's, uh, we're on Facebook, Twitter, TechnoRetroDads.com, on ShotGlassDigital.com. And uh, it's where we talk about a lot of the 70s and 80s stuff, not just Star Wars, but we don't exclude Star Wars. Uh, anything back then, the Muppet Show, the Dark Crystal, Battlestar Galactica, Buck Rogers. We talk about the old ones. We talk about the new ones. We talk about uh, sharing it with our kids. And uh, our other podcast is Tron Decoding the Grid, which is a an 80s verse and a 2010 franchise. And right now we're talking about the 1982 movie Tron over there. So you can catch us. You can catch us about anywhere. But Techno Retro Dads is is our primary podcast, I would suppose you could say go check it out it's an awesome show and check out the episode called techno retro kids it's fantastic yeah april 1st that's when april that 1st <laughs> and what about you james where can uh, people find you online what, you, what have well, you been up to these days well i've been uh just recently did a interview with uh, greg weissman of star wars rebels talking about oh, his cool. young adult book reign of the ghosts um and you can find that over at clubj.net and i've been doing some uh comic book reviews for big shiny robot and you can follow me on twitter at james jawa which is the opposite of jawa james um so don't follow jawa james on twitter that's somebody else um <laughs> thanks for having me on the show this was a lot of fun yeah thanks for coming on both of you and hopefully we can have you on again as they're releasing this new stuff coming out the new canon and the new books and we'll uh, we'll definitely have you guys both back on well thank you very much yeah, on our next episode, we're going to be reviewing the comics Dark Times, A Spark Remains, and Star Wars from the Ruins of Alderaan. So start reading them now so you can listen to our next episode. You can find us on Twitter. We're at SWBookworms. And send us an email. We always love to get emails. Um, it's StarWarsBookworms at gmail.com. And you can like us on Facebook. Check us out over there uh, for all the latest updates on Star Wars books and comics and news. We're posting 
you know, book covers as they're coming out, you know, descriptions as they're releasing them. We're posting it all over there. So check us out on Facebook. You can find us pretty easily. Just search for Star Wars Bookworms. And as always, we appreciate any reviews that you could leave us over at iTunes, especially those five-star reviews. We appreciate those most. So if you haven't left us a review yet and you listen to our show and you enjoy it, head on over to iTunes and leave us a review and it would be much appreciated. So for Aaron, he's at AV Goins on Twitter. Teresa's at Ice Cold Penguin, and you can also find her at Ice Cold Penguin on Pinterest, not Pinterest. Oh my goodness! Well, <laughs> well, maybe you are on Pinterest. I, I am know. on Pinterest, actually. Look for Teresa Delgado on Pinterest. <laughs> but yeah, Instagram. So check her out on Instagram. She's always posting awesome pictures from like every trip that she makes to Disney and makes everybody jealous. And there will be a lot of stuff coming from. Um, from Star Wars Weekend, so follow oh, yeah, me Star there. Wars Weekends, we can do. Uh, we can actually both be in an Instagram Ooh, picture at the same time. Look yay, at that! Look at that! All right, so keep on reading, and may the force be with you. Bye.